Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. And tonight, uh, we are going to be doing session four, entitled, The God Who Speaks in Parables. What a fun and confusing aspect about God. There's just so much about this that is uh, exciting and challenging and an invitation. Um, You know, you may not think about this, but anything that you find to be challenging or difficult about God, about the Bible, about Christianity, is actually an invitation to understand, an invitation to go deeper. Because I promise that God is not confused. God doesn't think of himself as difficult or the Bible is confusing. Um, But they're invitations, actually, to go deeper. And so uh, we get to talk about that tonight, the God who speaks in parables. And what we're going to do in this session is my hope, really, with, with this particular session is to give you some context to be able to interpret all these prophetic words and dreams and stuff that we keep getting. Uh, I kind of want to take you a little bit on the journey that we went on, uh, not so much in the content, but in the concept of getting prophetic words in dreams and, and God speaking to us in parables and how, how odd that is and how awesome it is. And, you know, one of the things that can definitely be said about the prayer room is we have had an abundance of prophetic uh, information. And I mean, I, I'm going through this series, obviously, and looking back through all the stuff, and it's, it's unnerving how much information was given prophetically. As in, it was given and it, it was clear it was God talking, not a person. It was clear it was God speaking through that dream. It wasn't just somebody dreaming. It's like, what? how interesting that is as a ministry to have so much information. And I'll just throw out a little disclaimer I probably don't have much more prophetic information about my personal life than you do. I mean, I maybe have a little. I mean, I do. I've got some. But the majority of the stuff that God's spoken to me prophetically hasn't been about Brad Stroop and and Amy Stroop and their family and their life. It's mostly been about this ministry. And so we'll kind of get into that a little bit. But it's uh, So I, I want to make that point of differentiation because... You know, I think as leading a prophetic ministry that's got the Lord's, uh, you know, direction on us, um, if he doesn't continue to give us prophetic information, we're in trouble. And if that information doesn't make it to the leadership, it doesn't matter that it got out there somewhere. The leadership needs to get the prophetic information. So I just want to kind of make that uh, clear. I am grateful for all the ways that the Lord has spoken. And uh, we'll talk about the, the balance, the struggle of uh, both the incredibleness and also the parabolic sense, the, the hiddenness and the veiledness that sometimes these words are. But uh, really, in the amount of information that's been given us, we have a, a stewardship issue. It's not enough that we hear it. We actually have to steward over it. Otherwise, God talks, we heard it, forgot it, didn't listen to it, and it's like he never talked. I mean, we have a stewardship responsibility, and so I want to tell these dreams, and I want to write down these dreams so that we can use them rightly. We can use the information that he's communicating to us in a way that's honoring of him, in a way that is um, uh, responsible to what it is that he's spoken. Second thing I want to point out related to the prophetic words that we've gotten is they have sustained us for 14 plus years. 
There have been so many prophetic words where, man, it was like we kind of wanted to quit. And we got a prophetic word, and we didn't quit because we got it. This happened just uh, this week. Uh, Amy and I were talking about something, and, and I had a dream uh, you know, that night, and I told her a dream, and she was like, oh my gosh, that's so important because I wanted to quit on this thing. Not quit, but, but kind of take a step back on something. I was like, man, the Lord is just so kind to help us and to sustain us all these years. And, uh, and you know, it's very normal when you're in the daily grind of believing for prophetic promises, believing for God to do big stuff, that as the time goes on, and it doesn't happen over a week, a month, a year, it is very normal to have a, uh, your spirit start to wane. And the Lord would then give us yet another dream, yet another prophetic word, yet to get us believing again. And that is so unusual, but that has been so incredibly helpful for us as a ministry to keep us steady. Next point, I just want to make kind of these, some broad strokes here as we're doing an introduction. Broad strokes, points here. I want us to rightly interpret how unusual this is. And what does the unusualness of it mean? You know, it's, a, it's kind of normal, I think, in ministry to have the Lord kind of help you a little bit get started and Him help you a little bit here and there uh, as far as giving, you know, some prophetic utterance. But I just think the amount of times and ways and words that the Lord has given us as this little ministry you know, tucked away in the armpit of Arlington. I mean, I just feel like it is disproportionate. Like the Lord has spoken a ton to us. And that's indicative of purpose. It, that indicates uh, that he has got design. And what this means is every one of those prophetic words is heaven's investment in the prayer room's future and destiny and strengthening. It's heaven making a deposit. And for us to have a, a big old piggy bank of deposits from heaven, it speaks volumes of his purposes. And it's part of the reason we want to tell these stories and do these, you know, do this in uh, prophetic history is to get us seeing the prayer room mission space the way heaven sees the prayer room mission space. One other fun thing about these stories, these prophetic dreams and prophetic experiences that we've had is they have really served to knit us together. It's so fun the way that the Lord story knits. He knits hearts in a storyline. You hear a story and your heart connects to it in a way that if you just heard facts and details or just heard vision statements, it doesn't have the impact. It's been so fun to watch the Lord weave us together as a community for 14 years by giving us collectively uh, uh, prophetic information. And five or six or 10 or 20 of us will hear it all at the same moment and go, oh my gosh, that's the Lord. And, and then be knit together in that moment, in the details, in the storyline, in the prophetic uh, purposes that the Lord had. It's just a, a fun, creative way that he leads. What a, what a creative God. I know how I'll knit them together. I'll give this guy a prophetic story and then I'll let him tell it in front of these three people. And then all four of them will feel encouraged and feel knit more to the prayer room. I mean, it's like, that's... That's crazy, and yet that's what he's done for 14 years. I also want to uh, make this point that these dreams and these stories and the even last session and the history, I want to make this clear. This all tells about God's desire for us now and moving forward, not just God's desire for us in the good old days or yesteryear or when the words came. These words are about now 
and about us moving forward. The reason I make that point is because there might be some that are coming around now that feel somewhat new to the community and go, oh, well, I wasn't there when that prophetic word was given, therefore it's not my prophetic word. Wrong. Totally wrong. These prophetic words are for this ministry for everyone who's saying yes to the mandate today. And everyone who's saying yes to the mandate as we move forward. And honestly, there were some that were saying yes to the mandate when they got these prophetic words and they're not involved anymore. And honestly, these prophetic words won't really impact them that much or maybe not at all. They don't, you know, if they're not involved. And the Lord's got all sorts of purposes and plans and I don't even want to touch on any of that. I just want to make the, pl- the purpose clear. If you're around now and you're saying yes, I'm serving, I'm here, I'm, I'm calling this, you know, uh, I'm knit to this vision and to this mandate. These words are part of your story. And the Lord wants you to see it that way because it's impossible for us to accomplish the Lord's purposes that are driven by so much prophetic information unless the people that are here now buy into the prophetic information and go, that's my story. This is for me. This is for us today. This matter. We, we can't walk into our future purposes unless we believe what the Lord has spoken about us about right now and about where we're headed. So I want you to just take a fresh look and go, this story is your story if you want it. And I think that one of the reasons we're doing this series is it's for you. You want it. I promise you want it. Let me give a little bit of Bible on the prophetic ministry. Because this is just such an unusual aspect of, of ministry leadership. If it's not something you're already really familiar with, it's like the most bizarre thing ever. I mean, it's like all you've ever seen are ducks and cats, and all of a sudden you're introduced to a duck platypus. It's like this is a, I, I know it's an animal, but that is a bizarre-looking creature. And I just want to tell you the prophetic ministry in terms of leading in terms of like helping us move forward as a ministry, as a, as, a, as a people, it is a very unusual aspect if it's not something you're already familiar with. I want to give you a few verses that talk about the primary role of the prophetic ministry. These are verses you probably know. 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. The primary reason that the Lord gives us all these dreams and prophetic information and parables and stuff is actually primarily for the prayer room missions base to be strengthened, encouraged, and comforted. That's the primary reason. And I'll tell you, having watched it for 14 years, it it does that. It has power. It's got mojo on the inside. It's powerful. Acts 15.32 says, similarly, Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. Prophecy is for encouragement and strengthening. 1 Corinthians 14, 31, you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. Instructed, encouraged, strengthening, comforted. These are the primary purposes of the prophetic. Well, part of what occurs in the, on the inner man, kind of a, a little bit of the, the details of what is encouraged, instructed, strengthened, what does that look like? Part of it is it gives strength to keep fighting. We read this verse out of 1 Timothy. You guys probably know it. 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 19. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Timothy, my son, I give you this command. A command in keeping with the prophecies made about you. So that by recalling them, by recalling the prophecies, you may fight the battle well, holding on to the faith. 
when we have clarity about the prophecies about us, we are actually empowered to fight the battle moving forward faithfully. The opposite is true. And that is if we don't keep in mind the prophecies that have been made about us, it makes it harder to fight the battle. And here's the problem. Whether you have power to fight the battle or don't have power to fight the battle, you are in the battle. I would far rather have power to fight the battle. And Paul says to Timothy, you, one of the ways that you do this is by recalling the prophecies. Very powerful. It gives us confidence in our calling. When I look about all these prophecies and dreams, I, and I look about one of the ways that it strengthened us, it strengthened us to stay steadfast in our calling. There are a thousand, maybe 10,000 mandates within the body of Christ. This group is supposed to do this. This local church is supposed to look this way. This group is supposed to act this way. This network is supposed to be all about this thing. This soup kitchen is supposed to serve soup. It's important that you know who you are according to God's alignment, according to God's creation. And as we look at the prophecies made about us, it helps us stay steady in our calling to know what we are about and what we're not about. And it doesn't mean that the guy down the street that's doing the other thing is doing wrong. He's probably doing right, but he's doing what he's supposed to be doing and we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. The prophetic has helped us have confidence in our calling and our calling is a little bit like that duckbill platypus. It's a little different. So it's really good that he's giving us so much prophetic information to help us stay steady, keeping us steady through difficulty. <laughs> when difficulty comes, everybody's flesh says, just quit. Everybody's flesh just wants to stop. You got to have a deeper anchor inside of you than the wind that's blowing you around. And the prophetic helps anchor you because you go, no, God said, no, God said, God said. So important. Also to revive fading hearts. Oh man, it's similar to the, the difficulty in wanting to quit, but just the natural process of life if you don't keep putting vision in the vision bucket, your vision bucket, unfortunately, has an unstoppable hole in the bottom of it. And no matter what you do, you will run out of vision unless you keep pouring more vision in the top of the bucket. It's the only way to keep vision in your bucket. Only way. More in the top, more in the top. Because you got a hole in your bucket. And you're losing vision even now while I'm imparting it to you. Okay? We all are losing vision, so we have a fading heart that requires us to be reminded. I don't know of any story or dream that I have personal connection to in any way that articulates this more clearly than a dream. One of the leaders up at IHOP Kansas City had uh, a number of years ago about IHOP Kansas City, but really about the prayer movement, telling the prophetic history over and over and over again. And I'm going to read you the dream. This was a dream that Julie Meyer had in March 2013. Julie Meyer was one of the leaders uh, up in Kansas City for many, many years. And as a, uh, just has a clear prophetic calling on her life. Trustworthy source. Anyway, in the dream, uh, Julie heard Alan Hood singing an old hymn. And the, song, the hymn was called, I Love to Tell the Story. Which he continued to sing throughout the whole dream. Julie saw many ambulances, and each one had a dead person in it, and an angel was attending to each one of them. After Julie had seen into a number of these ambulances, she asked, who are these people? And one of the angels answered, they are the prayer leaders. 
Then the angel opened his ambulance door, and one angel opened his ambulance door and said, I have a heartbeat. I have a heartbeat. And Julie asked, oh, uh, I have a heartbeat. It's faint, but I have a pulse. And Julie asked, what did you do? And the angel replied, tell them the old, old stories. It will revive their hearts. Oh, my gosh. That's it. That's the power of the prophetic testimony. When, our, when prayer leaders, worship leaders, singers, ushers, section leaders... In the house of prayer, when we're losing our way, when we're losing, when we're fading in heart, we remember the stories that invigorated us before. Always the Bible, yes, but the stories of the specific stories related to the house and our calling in it and our part in it and the, the corporate part that we can all then uh, be part of that storyline. Tell them the old stories and it will revive the heart. So Father, I ask you in Jesus' name that as we do this series, it would revive the hearts in Jesus' name, that as we tell the stories, it would awaken. Holy Spirit, release power on the prophetic testimonies and awaken hearts in Jesus' name. All right, so another thing that, Looking back on the prophetic information, what it does. But again, you can only look back on prophetic information if you recorded it. Otherwise, you got faint remembered. Didn't we have a dream or a word about a thing? And it's so vague and unhelpful. So you've got to get good at recording this stuff when it happens. And it, it most always, I'll just give you a little a freebie here. Most always, most always, the prophetic information feels totally dismissible in the moment. It doesn't feel like a big deal. But later you go, I'm so glad I wrote that down. That's called faith. That's what faith is. You look at it, you go, it's got just an inkling. It's got the thumbprint of God on it. It's not a loud call. It's got the thumbprint. I'm going to write this down because if it looks, smells, or sounds like Jesus, I want to keep it. And then later we look back on it and go, oh my gosh, that was a life-saving word we almost threw out. It's, that's how it works. It's really intense. One of the things that the prophetic does is it calls us back to our mandate. Psalm 78 verse 7 says this, Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. Not forgetting his deeds. Not forgetting what he's done, what he said. When we, when we remember what he's done and what he said, it empowers us to trust in him and it empowers us to keep his commands. We've been given a mandate, night and day prayer, keep the fire on the altar, keep the prayer meetings going. And man, have we been tested in this season. I mean, it's been part of why we still have prayer meetings going 20 hours a day is because we look back on our prophetic history and said, we, there's just no way we could stop. We, there's just no way. We couldn't. The prophetic information won't let us. We can't stop prayer meetings. Well, yeah, but COVID, yeah, but this order, this decree, this. I mean, it's like we just looked at it all and we're like, we're going to have to figure this out because we can't stop. And part of the way we knew that was the anchor of the prophetic to our mandate. Showing us our future. That's another incredible aspect of prophetic dreams is not just to encourage, but actually to inform the future. Tell us what's coming. Sometimes tell us what's coming just to tell us, to encourage us. We, we see it happen and go, oh my gosh, we had a dream about that. And sometimes it's inconsequential. I mean, in the broad sense. Sometimes, though, the prophetic information is given about the future in order that we might prepare accordingly. 
We're doing things now and today that are in accordance with prophetic words we were getting 10 and 15 years ago in order that things look the way that they do now in order to be at the position that we're at right now. I mean, there's a lot of things. I can remember words about starting this and make sure you don't do that and give focus to this and stop paying attention to that. I know that looks important. It's not that important for you. I just remember those words. Helping show us our future and to direct us as a ministry. You know, this is like the most odd thing if it's not a concept you're already familiar with. You're a ministry with leaders going a direction. And you've got ideas. You've got things that you're good at. People on your leadership team that, have, that are good at this stuff and, and think a certain way and lead a certain way. And you're walking a direction that you think is right. And all of a sudden you have a dream, or 10, about going a completely different direction. One you would never take. One you would never do. That would not be at all what you would ever choose. Not even because it's so bad, it's just so different from the way that you normally process. Or it's so bad. And you would never want that bad thing, and yet it's the leadership of the Lord to take you that direction. You know, it was the leadership of the Lord that put Jesus on a cross. Let's never forget that, okay? I mean, and that was, I guarantee you, in his flesh, we know, we know the story. He was trying to talk Abba out of it if he was willing. He was like, but I'm going to do it your will at the end of the day. He said, that's most important. The thought process of getting prophetic information that would lead the ministry a direction we would not normally go, a direction we would have never thought of. It is so unique. I mean, think about that. All you had to do to figure out what to do was go to sleep. You wake up and you had a dream. And now you have ideas that you just like know is God that you weren't thinking about and would have never thought of in your own self the day before. But because you went to sleep, because you got tired, you had a dream. I just, this is crazy. I, I, I recognize how crazy this sounds. But man, have we been living in this the last however many years. It sounds so odd when God talks. I mean, he, he's God. He's God and he just doesn't do it the way that we would do it. It is great. It is awesome when he speaks, but it's also challenging because his ways are not our ways. He, his talk is not our vernacular. The way he communicates, his objectives when he talks are completely different than yours and my objectives when we talk. His communication style, everything about the way the man speaks is so different. And it requires a, a leaning in of the ear, an attentiveness, a slowing down. You cannot rightly hear God on the run. You, you got to slow down and, and process through those symbols or in the word. What does that mean? This, this theme keeps showing up, but it's, it's faint enough I can dismiss it. But... It's clear enough I can identify it. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's so crazy. Let me just give you Numbers 12 and Matthew 13, where Jesus is more or less quoting Numbers 12. Okay? <clears throat> Numbers 12, uh, 6 through 8. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. This is not true of my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face clearly and not in riddles. 
But if your name isn't Moses, you get murky and riddles. Okay? <laughs> and God's like, I love talking to these people. Murky and in riddles. It's my favorite. You're like, Lord, this is so weird. Like, this is God saying this. He's, when I speak to a prophet, I go visions, dreams, murky and riddles. It's like my favorite. It's so great. So then Jesus, uh, this is uh, speaking about Jesus in Matthew 13. Just think about this. The nature of God. God in the flesh. Finally, he's a human. We can hear him talk in our language. Finally, we can, we can touch him. We can, surely he'll make it clear. Matthew 13. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them unless he used a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things since the creation of the world. <laughs> uh, here's my point with all this. It's Bible for God to talk. When he's going to talk to a prophetic community or a prophetic person, it is Bible that it's murky. It's God's intention that it requires. And let me tell you the biggest reason why. There's probably a thousand reasons. It requires a reach. It requires you to listen. Have you ever been in a, in a, uh, a public setting with a soft talker? And you're eating at dinner, you're eating lunch, and they're talking really, really quiet over the table. And you're like, I can't hear you. And you do this with your ear, and you lean in, you're like all the way across the table. I think God loves quiet talkers, the soft talkers. It's like, he's like, I'm kind of like that. I, I love to see how far you'll lean over that table to hear me. And when you'll lean, I'll speak to you and no one else will hear it. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. It's actually intimacy. It's all about intimacy, really. And it's also a protective grace on the prophetic messengers because no doubt, playing the telephone game, when you're leaning in over the table to try to hear the soft talker, you're not going to get all of it right. And you're going to say some of what they said wrong, and you're going to get to look stupid. And you will have done it with a completely pure heart, and you'll still get to look stupid. And that way you look humble, or you get humbled. You don't look humble. You look dumb. You get humbled, and the Lord says, well, I can trust a humble person. Because you'll get so puffed up by the things you got right. I want to make sure that I complicate this in order to help you not become more prideful. It's, <laughs> he's just fun. Confirming these words. I just want to tell you in this series, and as a general rule, when we're, when we're banking on prophetic information, I don't hardly ever, I mean, I don't know that I, I think I can say never, if it's not never, it's really close to never. And I just want to say it as never so that you'll do it as never. I never believe one prophetic word about something. Somebody's like, this is the word of the Lord for you. You need to do it. Cool. I'm glad you think that. Even if it was me and I had one dream. Cool. One dream. Shelf. I don't, I'm not going to act on one word or one. That could be. There's any number of reasons why that could be totally false or not right now or for the other guy. Like, I have the dream. I think it's about me. It's actually for you. I interpret it for, like, there's just, 
I would never tell somebody, hey, if you get one prophetic word, just run with that. Mm -mm. Put that on the shelf and say, Lord, speak more about that if that's an important subject to you. That's a very safe way to live. So for the most part, this series, only, I'm only telling prophetic testimonies where two or more people gave us the same word or the same dream or same theme of a dream or stories where our leadership team just knew the details ahead of time and then the thing happened or, or we got a prophetic word and then the thing happened or we, we knew ahead of time what was going to happen and then we got a prophetic word to believe it all the more uh, and then we'd actually see these events take place. So that's that's just part of the let every matter be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. That's just, that's just good wisdom, knowledge, especially if he's whispering across the table. Don't bank your life on you maybe heard a whisper. Like, like get some clarity. And the, again, it's another intimacy point. God, I really want to believe that really cool prophetic word I heard. But I'm not going to put any faith in it unless you speak more. So, Father, speak more. And now you're engaging him in a storyline he started, or at least that you think he started, and God does, he blesses everything that's done in faith. He loves it. Sometimes he'll even give you words that weren't even, you heard wrong, but because you went after it, he'll give it to you. So I want to encourage you, press in for confirming words. We're telling stories also, part of the reason for this is to help us through the mystery. I don't know how many times we'll tell a prophetic story or prophetic history or, or, or dreams and while telling it, or in our debrief conversations later, get more clarity about what happened five or ten years ago that we didn't have five or ten years ago when the thing happened. So part of the beauty of it is as we tell the stories, and now you're hearing it for the first time, some of you that are around, you'll be a part of us hearing greater clarity about words we got long before you came. And it's part of the way the Lord weaves you into the storyline. It's just powerful. It's beautiful. The Lord went before us back in 2005. I, I love this verse in Isaiah 30, verse 21. It's a prayer verse. It's a prophecy verse. It's a direction verse. It's the Lord being so masterful in the ways that he leads kind of a verse. Isaiah 30, verse 21. Whether you turn to the right or you turn to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you, saying, this is the way. Walk in it. So many times we see where the Lord, from, from behind us, he was, he was going on, he knew the way even before we started to walk out our map. It's, it's part of that Ephesians prepared you to do good works in Christ. He prepared them ahead of time. He already knows them ahead of time. As we walk out the prophetic, we see so many times the Lord knitting things together and you go, oh my gosh, Lord, I'm just learning about this right now, but you were actually setting us up for this a decade ago. When this guy was a kid, when this girl had that dream, when the first week they came, you were actually preparing us for this moment. You were saying, I'm leading you. Whether you turn to the right or the left, I promise you, I'm with you. I'm leading. I am so blown away by how many times that happens where we're in the middle of a story, in the middle of life, and details from a long time ago start to come into clarity. And we go, you were doing this all along. You have been leading us all along. We're in a storyline that you're weaving. It's beautiful and fun and unnerving. He gives more direction as you go. 
You guys remember the commission to Abraham? <laughs> Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, from your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. Go, but you don't know where you're going. Just go. I will show you. Just start a going, and I will show you where you're going. That's bizarre. That's how Christianity started. Abram's like the guy. He's like Father Abraham. Good man, sons. You know what I mean? That's like, this is the guy. And this all started with God saying, listen, I will show you more as you obey me. Take a step. Do what I'm telling you. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. Just get a moving. Just take the first step. I want to tell you, I don't know how many times we've seen it around here. We feel the Lord nudging us to take a step. And we're like, I don't know where that's going to go, but I guess we'll just be like Abram and just take the step. We don't know where we're going. <laughs> go, and I will show you where you're going later, you know? I have so many times. Another aspect of this that's so intriguing is the Lord wants a storyteller in order to weave all the details together. And it makes the most sense for it to be one person or maybe two, but not ten. Ten people have ten opinions and ten lenses of which they process information through. You need centrally one person or two that all the information's coming to that the Lord wants the story told to the community and the story does not belong to the storyteller. The story belongs to the community, but there has got to be somebody that's putting the details together, the information that's processing it, and processing it with other people, but primarily all the information is getting dumped in that person's lap. I, I got to be that person. It's a little bit of a heavy responsibility that sometimes I'm not really excited about. But the reason that I'm telling you that is because the story isn't my story exactly. The story is our story. But 10 people can't tell one story. It doesn't work that way. So when the Lord wants to communicate one storyline... One, you know, thing. It's all got to get dumped in the lap of somebody that's going to try to do their best to steward over the information and put it together and go, oh, that's just like this other dream. See, because that's the other point. If you've got 10 people and all those 10 people don't have crystal clear communication with each other, person seven heard a dream that person one doesn't know. And person one gets information on a Tuesday that is exactly in accordance with person seven's dream that they heard, but they don't know it because they don't know the dream that person seven heard. You see what I'm saying? So just it, it's just concise leadership. It's just the Lord's way. So I just want to say it this way. The Lord gives prophetic information to an individual about a corporate people. But I mean, I, I would bet more than, way more than half of the prophetic information didn't come directly to me. I mean, it wasn't like I had the dream. I had a lot of dreams, but I didn't have most of them. I had a prophetic word, but I didn't have all of them. I mean, there's lots of people that have been having it that I'm like, oh my gosh, I had that dream last night. And now you're telling me the dream and it's the same theme. It's like, you could call it the same dream. A little bit of detail is different, but it's the same dream. I can't believe that. That makes me believe the dream I had was real. And then I write it down. One more detail. <laughs> then we'll jump into the difficulty of timing. Endeavoring not to despise prophecy. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21 says, Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. 
This is all the same instruction. Don't quench the spirit. You can do that by despising prophecies. How do you despise prophecies? You hear them and do nothing with them. Instead, what are we supposed to do with prophecies? What is the opposite of despising them? Test them and hold on to what is right, good, and true. But we can actually quench the spirit by despising prophecies. Why do I say that? It's really tough sometimes when you've got so much prophetic information to not go, ah, I just don't want to do it right now. I just don't want to write it down right now. I just don't want to give the energy right now. I'll just give you a great for instance. Today, while preparing this message, John Stokes sent me five dreams. Today, while preparing this message. And I'm, I'm looking at Don't Despise Prophecy, and I'm looking at the five dreams coming in and going, <sighs> so I got four of them done. I got to go through one more, but I, I got four of them, Lord. I, that was today while getting ready. It's difficult. Despising prophecies is don't test it. Don't think about it. Don't pray about it. Don't give any attention to it. Just despise it. Another way to despise prophecies. When things are in a season where things aren't working right, it's not working. The prophetic isn't working. You know, we're supposed, the Lord gave us all these words about this thing. We're not experiencing the thing. We're experiencing the opposite of the thing and there's spikes on it. It's like, it's really easy in that moment to go, I guess prophecy's broken. Prophecy doesn't work. It's not real. Let's despise prophecy. We can't, we quench the spirit. And so I just, it's, uh, I'm giving you kind of all of this because whether you like it or not, you saying yes to these stories, you're also saying yes to the, the prophetic responsibility because you wind up coming into the storyline and into, the, into the, uh, the community here, the priesthood, and you get all the benefits, but there's also a measure of the weight of the responsibility of this stuff. And it's important that you know it all. The constant difficulty of timing. We want everything now. Whenever we get a prophetic word, we want it to happen tomorrow. And actually, tomorrow is too late. It better be today. I can wait till 2 o'clock, God. Okay? That's just how we are. That's just a human thing. But timing is always the single toughest thing to gauge related to the prophetic. You could get all of it right except the timing. You could have the total right word of the Lord, but it's a decade from now, and you think it's next week. And the Lord allows you to think it's next week. And then comes the humbling and the opportunity to despise prophecy. Because he allowed you to think it was next week. And it doesn't happen. What are you going to do? It was the Lord. He spoke it. You thought it was next week. You were obviously wrong. Next week has come and gone. Are you going to despise prophecy? Are you going to be less receptive the next time you get a prophetic word? Are you going to continue to press in for that thing? Or are you just going to, oh, I'm done with that now. The time has passed. So I'm done with that. Why don't you ask the question, Lord, are you done with that? <laughs> you see, this is, it, timing is tough. And I just think the Lord, he makes timing nearly impossible on purpose to create all of the turbulence, to create all the problems. He'll give you the clarity, the word, the confidence, but the timing, you just get it wrong most of the time. It's so painful. There's so many factors that can impact it. Let me give you a couple of interesting ways that timing has played out in some dreams and, and some things for us over the years. I want to talk about, I'll just give a real narrow example, three examples related to moving into buildings. Building one, two, and three, okay? Here's how it worked related to Pioneer Parkway. You guys remember uh, last session? We got words about us moving into what wound up becoming Pioneer Parkway. We didn't know the address, but... Uh, we, we knew kind of what the building was going to be and what the season was going to be like. We got all these words, and then a year later, we were actually in the building. 
So that was kind of an interesting, just one way that timing can work. You get words and a year later, the thing happens. The Nora building, this one. We got words and bought the building, I mean, nearly immediately. There was no a year later we get it. We got prophetic words and within weeks, we were buying this building. I mean, it was, it was bizarre. So where the other one, we got words and a year later we're moving in. This one, we got words and it was weeks later, oh my gosh, we own a building. Like it was just crazy. But we have had way more words, way more words about a future campus for this ministry, way more. And we're still waiting. And we had a lot of those words 10 years ago. Oh, is it going to happen? Uh-huh. When do you think? I don't dare say. I don't know. I have thought I knew so many times. I don't know. But that's the thing. When we got all these words, all three, we got the words, and it seemed so real and so right and so now, or like a month from now or two, all three times. But only one time was it actually a month from now. See? That's confusing. You know? Don't despise prophecy. Our journey in the prophetic. Okay, this is where I'm going to tell you some fun stuff. Just some fun stories. Oh, my gosh. All right. It's a strange way to be led. I'll just admit it to you. You want to balance prophetic leadings with the supremacy of Scripture. We don't believe a, bi- a prophecy that's in opposition to the Bible. That's no. That's foolish. The essential nature of confirmation. Your own spirit bearing witness. Your own spirit. You, you know, if it's a prophecy about you, about your ministry, your family, whatever, like, Somewhere in there, I don't mean you like it. That's not what I mean by bear witness. You may not like it at all, but you still know it's the Lord. And, and you, your spirit's got to bear witness for you to be able to give yourself to a prophetic word. Well, we had to learn a lot of things the hard way. My dreams didn't make any sense for years. I started having all these dreams, and it was actually the foundation of this story. I didn't know it, but I was actually having dreams for years. When I got filled with the Spirit, I started having multiple dreams nearly every night. I mean, it would be painful. I'd have three, four, five dreams in a night and I'd wake up and go, what do I do with all that? And I felt the stewardship issue. Like you got to start writing this down. You got to start writing. I was like, oh my gosh, Lord, I don't want to write it down. The Bible didn't make any sense to me for years. I would read it every single day. And I was like, this is a burden. I do not understand this book. I failed at fasting every week for years. Failed. I get to noon on Monday. I wouldn't even get, you know, two days in or I just fail. You just can't give up. You got to press through. You will eventually get it. Well, I want to show you this fun little thing that I'm just so grateful for. This is such a fun, precious thing for me. I remember in 2001 having this revelation, I better start writing this stuff down. I better start recording the stuff that the Lord's saying to me. And I started a journal. This thing is yellowed. On the front, it says March 8th, 2001. March 8th, 2001. Now, just so you know, the opening statement in this journal is, I hate journaling. I really don't want to journal, but I think I'm supposed to start journaling. (laughs) But I'll go ahead and do it because I think it's important. Good job, 20-year-old Brad Strip. Good job. That's right. That's right. Because the Lord started speaking through this. I was looking at this today and yesterday. I was just so encouraged this, jur- this journal, right after this, I started finding all these words about the greatest commandment, but I didn't know greatest commandment language. All I knew was Deuteronomy 6, 
which is the greatest commandment. And I was, my heart was just captivated with Deuteronomy 6. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I remember going, I want my whole life to be about that. It was actually the Lord, early stages, getting a prayer movement ready. You know, I, I looked in there and I found the week I made my commitment to start trying to fast every week. And I saw the journal entry. I read it. I was like, Oh, dude, it was gonna, it's going to get really hard for you, man. Just hang in there. Uh, and the next day, it's like, well, I already failed. I mean, it's just like really, really funny. I mean, just really funny stuff. Um, the, uh, the Psalm 91 references, so many of them in this journal. I mean, I was just reading, I just read three or four pages in one area, and I'd already seen it in uh, two different journal entries about a week apart. And I, the Psalm 91, but can I just read to you? I'm going to read to you a prayer on September 11th, 2001, right after the towers fell. 911, come back to our land. We are unprepared for what lies ahead in the coming days. I pray revival hits at the heart of the destruction. Here we are again in another one of those moments people have been in, in the lightest of ways comparing this current COVID situation to 9-11. It's so different, but it's the only frame of reference we have of this is so shaking and problematic and, and we know it's going to change things. And that's the same exact prayer we're praying right now. All of our revival prayer topics, it's Lord, use this. In the wake of the devastation, send us revival. Well, there's intercession for revival in the midst of difficulties and judgments back in 2001 and I got encouraged with that today because I journaled it. <laughs> and I started journaling all my dreams in these things. I just want to share. I just thought it was a fun little moment. Uh, put up that slide if you didn't ever get it up while I was talking there, Andy, just so people can see the close uh, version of the yellowed, um, you know, whatever. Okay. Well, we had to learn how to navigate dreams in those early days. I want to go back to the living room days. And this is just so fun. I have to talk about my friend Bernie. Bernie. Lord bless Bernie. Wherever you are, Burn Dog, I love you, man. Bernie is so fun. Now, Bernie's not around anymore, but he was foundational in this ministry in its early days. In so many ways, the Lord used Bernie and the prophetic gift on this man's life to teach us how to do prophecy. Not to give us like Bible teaching, to give us real life experiences and go, what are we going to do with that one? How do we respond to that? And, in, and my friend Bernie, I just remember I was giving a measure of mentorship and helping him in his prophetic gifting since he was 16 years old. And he was at a Christian school that very, very much did not believe in prophetic ministry. Very, very much. And yet he was having dreams all the time. And I just, I was interacting with him and I was helping him as best as I could. And now it's a few years later. He's about 20 years old at this point. And uh, we're starting the prayer room. We started prayer meetings. All that's going on. He would have so many dreams. I don't know how many times. And he was so humble. Like, if he was ever going to fib about a dream, it was never a fib that he had one that he didn't really have. It was frequently he didn't want to own up to the fact he saw this situation in a dream and could have told us ahead of time. But he didn't. Now, that happened a lot of times. This guy would have dreams. I don't know how many times I saw this happen. He would come and he'd tell me a dream, and he'd tell me the, the prophetic revelation of it so many times. One of the clearest examples, it was so bizarre. He comes up to me and he tells me about a, a particular friend of ours. And he says, he says, Brad, I had this dream 
this friend, his car is going to break like real soon. I don't know, today, next week, it's going to break real soon. And he's going to sell the car and just kind of call it quits. And he's going to buy a Jeep. I go, really? I said, well, don't, let's not say anything. And by the way, this guy loved his car. He had put a lot of work into it. It was a purple El Camino. He had, he had a custom purple paint job on this El Camino. It was his dream. He had spent so much money and energy on it. The last thing he would ever do is get rid of the thing. And I'm like, okay, but I know that Bernie's got this prophetic accuracy. He tells me a dream. The next day, the guy's car breaks down. Within a week, he bought a Jeep. And I just shook my head and I was like, dude, that's just, that's crazy prophetic accuracy. And why? No one knew it but me and him. I didn't, I didn't tell anybody. I was like, I was like, what in the world? This is so bizarre. Another time, I broke my finger bowling. I have never broken a, a, a bone in my body in my life, even to this day, except one time I broke my finger bowling. He had a dream about it before it happened. He had a dream. It would happen so many times where I was starting to get feisty with him. I was like, dude, you got to start. You are responsible for this information. I would not have gone bowling that night or I would have sat out on the bowl. I, I know how the Lord speaks to you. If you would have told me, because I called him to how I knew. I called him and I was like, hey, man, you all right? Yeah. I had something happen to me tonight. You want to tell me anything? He goes, did you break your finger bowling? Yes, burning. I broke my finger bowling. Why did you tell him about it? You, oh. That would happen so many times. One time, I was in an ice storm headed to my job uh, in Flower Mound. I hit a patch of ice on Highway 360. It's really interesting. I hit a patch of ice on Highway 360, and my car, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. My car started doing 360s on 360. I saw the guys next to me more than once. I just, I, I kept going, but miraculously, I didn't hit anybody. I called Bernie. Hey, Bernie, I was on my way to work today. Oh, no. What do you mean, oh, no? The ice, yes. He said, was your car spinning all over the place? Yes. He said, but you're okay. The car didn't get any damage? I go, yes. He goes, well, that's why I didn't tell you. You guys, Bernie is like the gift to the planet. I love that guy so much. But this was bizarre. I mean, have you ever had a friend like that? That's so weird. The Lord was actually teaching us about the prophetic through Bernie. He was teaching us about the level of clarity the Lord could give an individual or a community in prophetic information. Here's what it did. It caused us as a community to believe the prophetic was real. So then we started to believe for other things. Well, we had so many fun moments. One time, I was, I was, uh, we just started teaching on the end times and started teaching on the intimacy message and all this stuff that we had gotten from IHOP and you know heard some of this stuff. And I was just like devouring it. I was teaching on it. And there were some people in our midst in that hour that were not excited about the message. They were like, stop teaching on the end times. We don't like this stuff. It's too intense. Stop teaching on the intimacy message. That's not, you know, real. Like, like God, you know, kind of wants to be our friend, but not that level. Like, you're going too far. And I was, I was getting fired up about it. We were in a leadership meeting. There was like, I don't know, three or four of us. And I was getting fired up. And I was like, I was like, these people, I can't believe them. They're just, I'm just, I'm just the bread man. 
I'm not even the baker of the bread. I'm just the bread man. I've just got fresh bread, and I'm giving out the bread. These people, who do they think they are? I just, I'm on a tirade, and people are just rolling their eyes at me like, whatever, Brad, get over it. And I just, I'm, I'm the bread man. That's what I kept saying. What a weird thing to say. I don't even, that's, anyway. So it's like two days later at our encounter service in my living room over uh, Tostitos um, chips and Totino's pizza rolls, okay? And, and we're, we're sitting there in, in the living room eating, and this guy comes up who was another one of those in the early days that the Lord was using frequently to give us prophetic information, okay? And he comes up. He doesn't know any of this other stuff. He goes, hey, Brad, uh, I need to tell you a dream I had. I go, okay. He's, this is two days later. He said, in my dream, you were driving a Mrs. Baird's bread truck, and you were going around handing out bread to everyone. But not everyone wanted your bread. But God was saying that you just need to keep driving that truck and keep handing out that bread. As soon as he said it, I go, come here, come here. I got a couple of the leaders. I was like, you, you tell them again. You say, you say what you just said to me. You tell them. You tell, I'm the bread man. You, just say, you say it. And they just looked at me and shook their head and, and then looked up like, why are you backing him up on this? Like, this is bizarre. This is bizarre. But here's what it was is the Lord was communicating to us. He sees every conversation. He's involved in our lives. These may not seem like big deals. These are our prophetic roots that helped us to understand the prophetic is real. Well, up till this point, we hadn't had a lot of prophetic dreams about the community. Prophetic dreams for the corporate purposes. Most of them had been 360s on 360 or, you know, whatever, the Birdman dream. They, but they hadn't had, like, TPR, future, that kind of thing. That happened in the most wild upgrade. We're up in Kansas City for a House of Prayer conference. And while we're there, one of the sessions is over, and it was like a leader's session kind of a thing. And they, uh, they said, hey, we're, a few of our leaders are going to stay up here, and if any of you have any questions, uh, why don't you come up and ask these leaders just kind of one at a time? <clears throat> so there's maybe four or five of them. I think Mike was over there, maybe Misty was over there, and Lou Ingalls right here. And I wind up in Lou's line, whatever, however that, and I didn't really know who Lou was. I didn't know what he was about. I didn't, you know, didn't know. I didn't know his background. But I am there. We're leading prayer meetings back in the living room, and the one thing I have on my mind all day long, every day is, how do you build the house of prayer? What do you do? I get it, Harbin Bowl model, all that stuff, but what do you do? What are the nuts and the bolts? What's step one? What's step two? Like, how do you do this? So I finally get up, and I, I you know, meet Lou, and, and I, I said, he said, you know, what's your question or whatever? And I said, I said, well, I go, I want to know what are the practical steps to build the house of prayer? Now, I don't realize I am asking the absolute worst question to Lou Engel. Like, that is, that is not his bag, okay? He looks at me, and without even blinking, he goes, uh, I don't know. That's not really my thing. Uh, you need dreams. And as soon as he said you need dreams, he put his hands on me and began to prophesy that we would now as a community start having dreams. And from that moment forward, the community started having prophetic dreams about the prayer room missions base moving forward. That's what happened. It shifted. It was all fun and games until that moment. The, the prophetic went from being cute and in learning mode through a prophetic messenger laying hands on and imparting, you will now start to have dreams for your community. And we got back and it just started happening. And it was weird because we all knew the word. We all knew, I was like, well, maybe we're gonna start having dreams. We started having dreams like crazy. And it happened in that moment. We had to learn discern symbols. 
So much didn't make sense. We'd have a dream about this person or this thing. And we thought this person meant this person. We didn't have any idea that this person actually meant something else. We had to learn that. We had to go through all these phases. We had to learn so many interesting lessons, and some of them learned the hard way. Oh, Lord. Certain people appearing in dreams would mean certain things. We kind of had to learn that as we go. Really, the only way to learn that kind of information is experience, and really, if you want to get down to it, mistakes. God started showing up in our dreams in all sorts of fun ways, but it wasn't like he would show up looking like Jesus or looking like the Father, but you know, we're in the cleft of the rock kind of a thing. He would never do it that way. He would show up to us multiple times in dreams as a mysterious benefactor, one who's watching over us from afar, as the billionaire that's funding the prayer room, as the ship captain, as the head coach, as the rail master, as the casino owner, I don't even want to go into that one. As the economic analyst, as the warlord's supplier, as the president of the nation. He would show up again and again in these dreams. He was giving us dreams in patterns. I'm going to wrap up with this. He was giving us dreams in patterns and in waves. It's, guys, it is really, really weird to never have been thinking about something. And then all of a sudden, you and everybody you know are having dreams about that thing you've never thought about. And it just happens out of nowhere. I mean, it was, again, you're going left. And then all of a sudden, you've got three, four, 10, 20 dreams in three months, six months, a year, two years, all about the same thing. And you're not, you're not telling people, okay, guys, now it's dream about this season. That wouldn't even work, but we didn't do it. The Lord would just start highlighting things in waves. You know what waves do? They mess up your shoreline. You build a sandcastle and you got one wave. After that wave's gone, your sandcastle looks a little crumbly and mushy. After 10 waves, there ain't nothing there. There ain't nothing there. The Lord sends dreams so many times for us in this ministry in waves, multiple people dreaming the same kinds of stuff without them knowing that the other was dreaming it and without them knowing you're dreaming it and writing all this stuff down, expecting more dreams about it. I can tell you right now, based off the dreams John Stokes sent me today, I am expecting new prophetic information about something I wasn't previously thinking about. I'm expecting it. I won't tell you what it is. You have the dream, I'll add it to the doc. I'm gonna start one of those words about docs. I'm gonna start it. I got, there's information coming. I feel it. We're in the start of one of those right now. Crazy stuff. It's intense when it comes. It's so weird. Man, it's so weird to have waves of a dream about a subject matter that wasn't on your radar. You can't control your dreams. You sure can't control a community's dreams. Furthermore, you can't control a community's dreams and then that they would actually send you the information. How many dreams have you had this year you never told me about? Lots. What about when the Lord makes sure three, five, ten people all have the same dream? When I say the same dream, I don't actually mean it was the exact play, dream, stop, drop in the next person. Drop, but the same theme, the same ideas, the same point, the same concept. You look at it, you're like, well, that's the same dream. I mean, you just can't make that happen. And yet it comes in waves. I'm going to give you a few examples of what this, how this happened for us. 
Somebody approached me, I'll tell it in a later uh, session, but somebody approached me about doing a citywide house of prayer conference. And we were the smallest little ministry. I said, we are not doing that. <laughs> I said, we are busy right now with these other initiatives. We are not doing that. I said, but you know what? I'll pray. If the Lord gives me a dream, I'll think about it. That night, I had a dream about the thing. And I was like, well, I'll be darned. But it wasn't just me. Over the next few months, 15 people, or not people, 15 dreams. I don't know how many people. I could go back and count it. But 15 dreams about us doing that conference. 15. Like, I asked for one. We got 15. It came in a wave because it was important. I believe that conference was very important for the region. I believe it was a very important conference that we did. Another one, the journey dream. You'll hear us tell that dream. I'll tell it in a later session. But the journey dream, just an interesting way that that came... When I had the dream, I was like, I knew. It was one of those I felt like, this one's important. This is an important one. In the coming months and year, maybe year two, 20 different dreams were building upon that one, using language from that dream, but giving more prophetic information. That dream, I had no idea, that dream was chapter one of a story. And that 20 more dreams would build upon that storyline and clarify points of that dream. That's so weird. It's so weird. The Nora dreams about this building, the Nora building dreams. We had 11 dreams about this building in a very short period of time. It came like a wave. It came like a flood. We weren't thinking about this building. All of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. Dream, dream, dream. It was so clear. We've had dreams that follow a sequence. This is just another, I'm just, I'm going to end with this, but this is just another interesting way that the Lord's led us. Again, tonight, I'm trying to give you the context for how we've been processing all this prophetic information for 14 years. Okay, because it's, it's just so different than how you process anything else. The Lord will give us sequence dreams. And most of the time when I have them or somebody else has them, it's like a clear one that's like, this one's going to matter. It's gonna, this one's going to build. Before I ever, you know, started the prayer room or whatever, I had a dream with four colored cartoon pigs. And each pig I understood based off the color and, and some details about the pig, each pig represented a season in my life. And I looked at it and I went, I'd already experienced one of the seasons, the first pig. The second season I was in when I had the dream and I watched the next two happen just like in the dream. They were descriptive of seasons. That's just a sequencing, like where he's telling you. But I had that before the prayer room started so that I could believe such a thing exists. Well, we had a dream we call the reconnector dream. I'll probably share it at some point where the Lord gave us three kind of like impossible things were going to happen. Three impossible things, and they kept getting more impossible. Impossible, really impossible, totally bazonkers, nuts, not going to happen. But they were in a sequence. And I had the dream, and I, I told our leadership team, and I said, guys, I just can't imagine how this is going to go, but I, I think the Lord's given us a sequence dream. The first thing happened like just a few weeks later, and it was shocking. And then the next thing happened. And then the next thing happened. We were just, we were blown away. But all of that was really building us up to the journey dream because the journey dream is a sequence dream. And we are only two or three steps into that sequencing. And there are still several more steps in the sequencing. But I'll tell you this. We had the dream before point one had happened in the sequencing. And then point one happened. Point two happened. Point three happened. Point four is some maybe. Something. And then five and six. Sequencing. 
So we believed the journey dream because we had the reconnector dream because I had the big dream. I mean, I know that's so weird, but like the Lord gives us dreams in waves and he also gives us dreams that are sequencing, that are actually telling us our future, that are telling us the prophetic clarity about where we're headed and then he builds upon those. So I just want to pray that the Lord would help some of this make some sense to somebody. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Thank you.